Now this story we're about to read is right before Jesus Christ is crucified and we're going to read about his encounter with Pilate. We're going to read about Jesus Christ and his encounter with Pilate and what Pilate had to say and it still applies to today. But we're going to pick it up in John, uh, Gospel of John chapter 18 verse 28. Verse 28. Gospel of John chapter 18 verse 28. We're going to pick it up right there. Then led they Jesus from uh, Caiaphas, excuse me, they led the, then led they Jesus from Caiaphas into the hall of judgment, and it was early. And they themselves went not into the judgment hall, lest they should be defiled, but that they might eat the Passover. Now, these are, this is why you need to beware, beware of religious people. These are people that are they're railroading an innocent man. They're trying to get him killed and murdered, but they're afraid they're going to defile themselves if they don't do their religious teachings. You always got to be careful of religious people. That's how religious people act. They, they, they put all the focus on their works and what the religious thing they're doing, and they forget about the, the weightier matters, which is grace and mercy and the truth. Verse 29. Pilate then went out unto them and to these Jewish leaders and said unto them, What accusation bring you against this man? They answered and said unto him, If he were not a malefactor, we would not have delivered him up unto thee. Then said Pilate unto them, Take ye him and judge him according to your law. The Jews therefore said unto him, It is not lawful for us to put any man to death. Now there they are going again, lying again. <laughs> You, if you've read the gospel, you know they tried to kill Jesus every chance they got. They tried to kill Jesus Christ off every chance they got. And eventually, when Stephen was raised up and Stephen was preaching to them, they did kill Stephen. So it is lawful for them to kill whoever they want to. They just are afraid to kill Jesus Christ because that's not what's meant to happen. It's not meant to happen that way. Why? Because look at verse 32. That the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled which he spake signifying what death he should die. Now that's amazing. You might not realize how amazing it is, but what makes that amazing is Jesus, the Messiah was always it was, the Messiah was prophesied to be killed. But the Messiah, the, 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 the death penalty, the way the Jews killed people was by stoning. They would take him like they did Stephen. They took Stephen out, they ripped their clothes off, they got mad, and they stoned him to death. But they're not, that's not how Jesus is going to die. Jesus is going to die by crucifixion. That's an amazing prophecy. So for uh, maybe 1,500 years, there's these prophecies of the Messiah coming. He's going to be pierced. He's going to be hanging on a cross like that. He's going to, have, he's going to be able to tell his bones. All these prophecies are, are, are pointing towards a crucifixion, not a stoning, which is amazing. That's before the Roman Empire even came into power. That's amazing prophecy. So if you're writing, I know some of y'all write these notes down. Write this down. Write down Psalms 22, verses 16 through 18. These are the prophecies about the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Psalms 22, 16 through 18. Zechariah 12, 10. Zechariah 13, 6. John chapter 3, verse 14 through 15, which is what was just mentioned here. And then Gospel of John chapter 12, verse 32. You can write those down. If you need those after church, get with me. Those are just prophecies showing you that Christ was prophesied to be crucified, not stoned. And he should have been stoned. The Jews wanted him to die. The Jews are going to be the one that put him to death, but the, the Romans are going to be the ones that are the instruments of that death. It's amazing how God works through his prophecy. And that's why verse 32 says, that the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spake, signifying what death he should die. Then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again, and called Jesus and said unto him, Art thou the king of the Jews? 
He said, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Sayest thou this thing of thyself, or did others tell it of thee? Tell it thee of me. So Christ is basically asking Pilate, are you saying this because you think you know it? Or you know it? Or are you saying it because you heard other people calling me that? The point is, guys, everybody in this room is going to answer to Jesus Christ for what you believe. Amen. You can't rely on your parents or your teacher. Are you believing what you believe because your parents told you that? Or your teacher told you that? Or your professor told you that? Or your TV told you that? Or whoever it is told you. You believe what you believe because of that? Or are you believing it because that's what you believe? That's the, Christ, that's, a, that's the question that Christ is asking right there. Verse 35, Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Thine own nation and the chief priests have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? He said, I'm not a Jew. Why would I call you a king? You're not the king. I don't know if you're a king of Jew. What have you done? What are you doing? What have you done? Verse 36, Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. So if you have any kind of religious people that are going on crusades with swords, fighting for the name of Jesus Christ, those aren't Christians. That's not Christ's kingdom. Christ's kingdom is not of this world. It's a spiritual kingdom, amen? amen. It's not a physical kingdom. Not now. It will be. Look, but now is my kingdom not from hence. It will be Revelation 19. He comes back on a white horse, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. He comes back, Battle of Armageddon. He takes, all this, uh, takes care of all this mess we're dealing with right now. And he sits on a throne in Jerusalem ruling the whole world. But that hasn't took place yet. So for a man to stand up and say he's the vicar of Christ, he's taking the place of Christ, he's trying to rule the kingdom of Christ, that's a faker. It's a faker. Because <laughs> Christ doesn't have a kingdom now here that's physical. It's a spiritual kingdom. This church is just a place we meet in. They can come and they can bulldoze this church over. We're still going to meet under the oak tree. Amen? Amen? Because it's all about Jesus Christ. And that's a spiritual thing. It's, we read that this morning. It's not meat and drink. It's righteousness and joy and peace in the Holy Ghost. That's the kingdom. That's the kingdom. So he says there, not now. My kingdom is not from hence, but it will be Revelation 11, verse 15. Okay, verse 37. Pilate therefore said unto him, here goes Pilate again, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world. What cause is that? That I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Amen. He says there's something very important. Because in John chapter 10, he said, My sheep hear my voice. So if you're of the truth, you hear his voice. Well, what's of the truth? Jesus Christ is the truth. So if you're of Jesus, if you're born again, if you're of Christ, you hear the truth. You're of the truth. Therefore, that's what he's come for. You hear his voice. Of course, all this stuff goes flying right over Pilate's head. These are all spiritual things. Pilate doesn't get it. Pilate doesn't understand it. And he can't because he doesn't have the Spirit of God in him. He's thinking with his eyes. He's thinking with his flesh. He's thinking with, his, with what he can see, not what he can, not what he can feel. There's no spiritualness at all to Pilate. He's a Gentile. He's like me and you. We're not spiritual. We're all about the flesh. That's why us Gentiles, we get hold of something, we mess it up. Because we want to make all these great... We don't make these great churches and cathedrals and make all these great things. Let's build this and let's build that. And Christ is all about the spiritualness of a thing. What's going on in your heart? 
That's what, not what's going on on the outside. So finally in verse 38, we're going to slow down here. Pilate saith unto him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews and saith unto them, I find in him no fault at all. And I want to focus this morning on verse 38 there where Pilate saith unto him, What is truth? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just coming to you humbly in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray, Father, that you would send your holy manna down from heaven, Lord, this morning, that we might feast off of it, Lord God, like good sheep. And, Lord, we want to be fed from you, Lord. We want to hear from you, Lord. We want to, your Holy Spirit to move among us, Lord, leading, guiding, directing us, Father. We, we need your truth, Lord. And, Father, we thank you, Father, for the truth we find in your word, Lord God, in you. And, Father, I thank you for these people, Lord, that come out. Lord, I pray you bless them, Lord God. And I pray for anybody that's listening, Lord God, you bless them, Father. And I thank you, Father, for your, your work and your word, Lord. And I'm praying all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. What is truth? Pilate said to him, what is truth? I was talking to a young man who's very political, and he was talking about this political, this cancel culture that's going on where they're canceling people for all different reasons. And I said, well, you really believe somebody should get fired for what they, what they said? And that guy, that kid said to me, he said, well, she was lying. She wasn't telling the truth. You know what I turned? I turned to him, I said, what is truth? That's your truth. And I got my truth. So Pilate's asking an honest question, what is truth? You think that's the truth, but I think I've got the truth. She thought she was in truth. She thought she was telling the truth when she got fired for saying what she wants to say. He thinks she's lying. He thinks he's got the truth. What is truth? Who's got the truth? I don't blame a young man or a young man, a young man or a young woman asking these kind of questions. What is truth? Well, I'm going to show you what the Bible says truth is, and then we'll move along. Because Pilate's got some truth. He doesn't realize it's staring him in the face. What is truth? Turn to John chapter 1, same book. John chapter 1. Truth is, always, truth is always associated with Jesus Christ. Truth is always associated with Jesus Christ. Turn to John chapter 1 verse 9. Truth is always associated with Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was always associated with truth. So the first answer to that question, what is truth, is whatever is associated with Jesus Christ. Look at verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. That's John the Baptist. This is, this is John chapter 1, verse 6, verse 7. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. Do you believe? He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Christ is always associated with the truth. If there is a true light, that must tell you there is a false light. If there's a truth, there must be a lie. If there's somebody who tells you the truth, there must be a liar. Jesus Christ went on to say the devil was a liar from the beginning. But Jesus Christ is the truth. He's always been associated with the truth. Look at verse 14. And the word, this is talking about Christ, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Amen. Look at verse 17. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. 
So if you want the truth, you want to know what truth is, you need to get around Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ is always associated with the truth. Turn to John 14, Gospel of John 14. Let's take it a step further. What is truth according to the Word of God? What is truth according to the Word of God? Look at John chapter 14, verse 6. This is a pretty obvious one. I've already mentioned it already. I quote this verse, I think, every Sunday. This must be one of my favorite verses, and I don't even realize it, but I love this verse because this separates it all out. John 14, 6, Christ said, Jesus Christ saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Notice the article there. It's not, I am a way, I am a truth, I am a life. He says, no, I am the way. The truth, the life. There's only one. His name is Jesus Christ. You got him. Jesus Christ is the truth. What is truth? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. He's truth. Look at verse 17. Verse 16 and 17. Same chapter. Let's move on. Verse 16 and 17. Same chapter. Christ went on to say, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, capital C, that he may abide with you Forever, He's talking about the Holy Spirit. Even, verse 17, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him. For he, the Holy Spirit, dwelleth with you and shall be in you. The Holy Spirit is truth. So the Bible says anything associated with Jesus Christ is truth. Jesus Christ himself is truth. The Holy Spirit, it is truth. Let's take it a step further. John 17. Turn to, turn to chapter 17. We're going to stay in John, so don't worry. John 17. 17, 17. What is truth? What is truth? Well, anything associated with Christ, Christ himself, the Holy Spirit. And look at John 17, 17. Jesus Christ here, he's praying to the Father. And while he's praying to the Father, this is what he says. Talking about his disciples. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word, thy word is truth. The word of God is truth. Right here. Right here. So I can't physically grab Jesus Christ. I can feel him spiritually in my heart. But I can't physically grab Jesus Christ. I can't physically grab the Holy Spirit. But this is the only holy, truthful thing you can grab on this earth right here. And you got it in your lap. Thy word, thy word is truth. What is truth? This right here. You know what's so interesting about that is? This word right here, you can't hardly disassociate it with Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth, lowercase w. You can't separate Jesus from this book. You can't separate this book from Jesus Christ. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Amen. That right there is the truth. Look at John 3, 3, 333, excuse me, John chapter 3, verse 30. Then we're going to settle back down, guys, back in 18. I just wanted to show this, what the Bible answer is. I want to give you the Bible answer first. What the truth is. What is truth? Well, we know it's anything associated with Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ himself, the Holy Spirit, the Word of God. In John 3, 33, he that, hath, he that hath received his testimony has set to his seal that God is true. God the Father. 
So there you go. You got the Trinity. The Bible's just showing you that God is true. Jesus Christ is the truth. These are all, the Word of God is the truth. The Holy Spirit is the truth. This Trinity, this, all of this is truth. Look at uh, John chapter 7. Look at John. And we're going to keep looking at this Father one because it's good. Because Christ is the one speaking here. Uh, John chapter 7, verse 28. Keep flipping with me. You'll like this. John chapter 7, verse 28. You'll like it because it's the Word of God. Man, it's, it's the truth. And the truth, the truth, we're about to find out, can do something for you. John chapter 7, verse 28. Then cried Jesus in the temple as he taught, saying, Ye both know me, and ye know whence I am. And I am not come of myself, but he that sent me is true, whom ye know not. That's God the Father. God the Father sent him. So look at chapter 8. And this is the, look at 8, chapter 8, verse 26, guys. And I promise you, we're slowing down. Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 26. And we're going to start slowing down. I'm just I'm kind of giving you these shotgun ones. I'm just shooting it out at you. Because I want you to know, I think you Christians know what truth is. I hope you do. But you've got to know the verses. If somebody comes up to you and say, what is truth? Say, well, Jesus Christ is truth. Well, show me where the Bible says that. John 14, 6, Amen. He says it. Jesus Christ says it. Well, I don't think, I think there's many truths. Jesus Christ said there's only one truth. Well, I think there's many ways to God. Jesus Christ said, no man cometh to the Father but by me. <laughs> I'm not saying it. I'm not trying to get you mad at me. I'm just quoting what our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ said. But in John chapter 8, Christ went on to say this, verse 26. I have many things to say and to judge of you. John 8, 26. I have many things to say and to judge of you. But he that sent me is true. And I speak to the world those things which I have heard of him. They understood not that he spake to them of the Father. Amen. God the Father is true. He sent Jesus Christ to give you the truth. God the Father is true. Jesus Christ is true. The Word of God is true. The Holy Spirit is true. What's so important about this truth? You found it right back down here in verse 31. Look at verse 31, guys. Beautiful. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him. Do you believe on Jesus Christ? I do. Amen. This is what he has to say to you. If you continue in my word, then, you are, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. <laughs> Amen. Amen. That truth will make you free. That liberty, that we were in Sunday school this morning and we were praying about that and we were talking about that and we were looking into that. Guys, you got to understand you got liberty in Jesus Christ. You're free, man. You're free and you're free indeed. Amen. You've got to grab a hold of that, Christian. You're not in bondage. Sin doesn't have a hold on you. The devil doesn't have you anymore. This world doesn't own us. Jesus Christ owns us. We're free. We're free in Jesus Christ. And when Christians start realizing that, they'll have the joy and the happiness they've been desiring all their life. And if you've been missing out on it, because you think you're still in bondage. There was a governor that, uh, in Texas had a guy that was in prison. He, was, he went into the prison system. This guy had been in prison, and, and they thought he had done it. He had, he had been convicted wrongly, and the governor went in, and they had a big assembly in the, in the prison house, had all the prisoners come in there, and they come in there, and the governor came in there, and he says, I want to raise that guy up. And they had a man in the back stand up, and he said, John, I don't know the guy's name, John Smith, 
You have been pardoned by the state of Texas for what you've done. You're free to go. And boy, all the prisoners, they all stood up and they started just cheering. And John Smith's face got red. He's so embarrassed. But his tears started breaking down. And about that time, the warden, the warden of the jail came in and says, Okay, everybody, y'all line up. Get in line. Let's go. Going to take them back to the jailhouse. All the prisoners lined up. They all got ready. And John Smith, he got up and he walked over and he got in the line. And the governor, warden came over there and said, hey, hey, John, you're free. You're free to go. When Christ sets you free, you're free indeed. <laughs> they don't like it. Verse 33, they answered him. We be Abraham's seed and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou that ye shall be, ye shall be made free? Idiots. <laughs> Morons. You realize they're saying this while they're in bondage to Rome. Rome tells them what to do, how to do it, when to do it, what they can do, how they can worship, who they can worship. Rome tells them everything. They're like, we've never been in bondage. <laughs> Blindness. That's the world we live in today. There's nothing wrong with me. I'm, I'm free man. I can do what I want to do. No, you're not. You're in bondage. You're in bondage. You don't even realize it. And you're so blind to it. You know, and they're, they're so arrogant and self-righteous. We be Abraham's seed. We're never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou we, ye shall be made free? What, here's what Christ had to say. Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is a servant of sin. Amen. That's what, you're in bondage to sin. You're in bondage to Satan. And the world, they, they get up every morning and they're depressed and they're sad and they ask themselves, what am I living for? Why am I going to work? What is life? What's the meaning of life? And they keep asking themselves these questions they never realize they're in bondage to the devil. They're in bondage to the world. And they see some poor, wretched Christian that's lived a sinful life, walking with a smile on his face, gleeful, happy, and they're like, why is he so happy? Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's Jesus Christ. He's the truth, and He set me free. I found the truth, and the truth set me free. I'm free from sin. I have liberty in Jesus Christ. Look at verse 35. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth ever. Hey, that sin, that sin that's a servant, it won't abide. But Jesus Christ, He's a, he's a son of the Father. He abideth forever. If you get in Jesus Christ, you've made it in. You've got in, man, because when Jesus Christ being the Son of God, He's got the Father's ear. If you can get in Jesus Christ, you've made it in. I don't know much about Bill Gates' life other than he's a moron. And I like to say moron a lot because there's a lot of morons in the world. He's a, he's a billionaire moron, but he's still a moron. But I guarantee you, I don't know if he has any kids, but I guarantee if he has kids, that's who everybody wants to be friends with. I want to be friends with Bill Gates' son because then I've got it made. I got a free ticket to the yacht. I got a free ticket to the mansion. I got a free ticket to whatever. I got to, you get in there with the rich kids. Yeah, that's the way the world thinks. Verse 36. If, if, if the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. <laughs> that's what I've been preaching right there. If, hey, if you get free by Jesus Christ, you'll know what I'm talking about. You might be sitting out there and you might be saying, I don't, that preacher, oh, he's going nuts. He's acting crazy. Why is he talking? I don't understand why he gets so excited about Boy, you've got to understand the freedom I have in Jesus Christ. The liberty. 
You know what it's like to lay your head down on your pillow and know, you know what, I've done some bad things today, but I'm still going to heaven. <laughs> Jesus still loves me. And I still got a place waiting for heaven. You know what it's like when you have a dear, dear Christian friend like George Roberts pass away and you go over to his funeral and you look down at the casket and you go, praise God, he's in heaven right now. And know it and believe it that he's not in that coffin, that he's long gone celebrating up there with Jesus Christ. You know what that's like? You can't describe it. You can't describe the peace. You get over there and you see the people and some people are upset, some people are crying. You're like, man, he's having the best time of his life. You know, what Dwight Moody said. Dwight Moody said, hey, there's going to come a time where you're going to read in the papers that Dwight Moody is dead. Don't believe a word of it, he said, because at that time I'll be more alive than I ever was. That's George Roberts. He's dead. His body, but Jesus Christ has his soul up in heaven, and boy, is he celebrating. That's the freedom, and when you're free by Jesus Christ, ye shall be free indeed. Back in John 18, because I know this doesn't hit home to a lost man or woman. A lost man or woman will be listening to me right now, and they're just scoffing. They're just kind of blowing it off. They're like, yeah, that's what the Bible says. That's what the, yeah, but the problem is you don't realize you're in bondage. And the world's not going to take that as an example for truth. The world, a lost man, an atheist, they're going to look at this and they're going to say, yeah, yeah, that's what Jesus said, that's what the Bible says. I don't believe the Bible is written by man, it's not written by God. They're going to have all these excuses. What is truth? What is truth? What is truth? Like Pilate said. And now, my friends, if you'll follow with me, we're going to find out what truth is according to Pilate. What truth is according to Pilate. John 18, verse 38. And this is what we're going to find out, what, what the truth is. John chapter 18, verse 38. Pilate saith unto him, what is truth? And when he had said this, he went out. He didn't wait for Christ to answer. You notice that? He looks at Jesus and he says, what is truth? And he turns around and walks out. He doesn't wait for Jesus to answer. Here's the first truth you're going to find out about Pilate. And saith unto them, the end of verse 38 is where you're going to find it. I find in him no fault at all. The first truth is, Pilate, you don't find any fault in Jesus Christ. You know what's amazing to me is you hear people talk bad about Christianity and about Christians. They never talk bad about Jesus Christ. I mean, I know there's probably some exceptions, but mainly it's like, you Christians are hypocrites. I hate Christians. I hate Christianity. I hate that. But what about Christ? I know you can hate me. I know I can mess up. I know I can be a rotten scoundrel. I know I can be a hypocrite. But what about that man, Jesus Christ? Because you're not coming to me. I'm not the truth. Jesus Christ is the truth. Any got Baptist church is not the truth. Jesus Christ is the truth. The Word of God is the truth. You see where I'm, where I'm going with this? The world gets focused in on, on us so they can take their, their attention away from Jesus Christ, and if an honest man, I'm talking about an honest man, if you're honest and you're looking for the truth and you get to examining the life of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, you would have to look at that like Pilate said and say, I find no fault in him. How are you going to find a fault with a man that walked around the earth loving everybody? How are you going to find a fault with a man that walked by raising the dead, lifting up the brokenhearted, healing the blind, how are you going to find fault with the man? You can't. It's Jesus Christ. He loves you and died for you. What, how are you going to find fault in that? 
Pilate says, I find no fault in him. The problem is when Pilate says, what is truth? He's looking him in the face. He looks at Jesus and says, what is truth? And Jesus says, I'm truth. You're looking at me. Verse 39, but you have a custom. You have a custom, talking to the Jews, that I should release unto you one at the Passover. Will you therefore that I release unto you the king of the Jews? So every Passover, the, the Romans, to try to show favor with the Jews because they were controlling Israel, they would say, hey, whoever you want us to release as a good token of our friendship, we're going to release this prisoner to you. You just, you just decide who you want and we'll release him to you. So they said, okay, is that time of year for us to do that? You want me to release Jesus? You want me to release the king of the Jews? You want me to release him? Verse 40 says, then cried they all again, saying, not this man but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. Barabbas was a robber. What Pilate found out, the truth is that they found out the world would rather have a murderer and a robber than Jesus Christ. Barabbas was named in Matthew as a murderer too. So he's not only a robber, he's a murderer. And what Pilate's finding out, the truth is, the truth is the world would rather have a murderer and a robber than Jesus Christ. Amen. You know what sickened me? And this is years ago, but I heard Comanche, they were trying to get a big shindig going down there in Comanche. They're going to call it Wesley, John Wesley Harden Days. And I think it lasted for a couple of years. They had John Wesley Harden Days. John Wesley Harden was a murderer. Yeah. Come down there and murdered a web. Innocent man. Killed him. Let's celebrate John Wesley Harden Days. You can go right up here, just 17 miles. It's Billy the Kid this and Billy the Kid that. that. Billy the Kid, a murderer. That's what the world celebrates. Give us the murderer. Give us the robber. Give us Barabbas. That man that's been healing the blind, that's been walking on the water, that's been giving us the good word of God, we don't want him. He's too holy and he's too righteous. We want the murderer and we want the robber. There's the truth. Look at John chapter 19, verse 1. Let's continue on. Then Pilate. Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him. Wow. That's one little word right there, scourged. That's a lot of pain. It's easy for us to read over that and keep on reading, but what they would do is they take those whips, the cat of nine tails, would have the, they put metal pieces in the leather, leather right there, so whenever they whipped your back, it would rip into your back, and they just ripped Jesus Christ back open, just bled him out, scourged him. So the truth is, Pilate, you say, what is truth? The truth is you're an unjust judge. Pilate, you're a hypocrite. You're an unjust judge. You just told me with your own lips, I find no fault in this man. And you scourged him? And you call me a hypocrite? He's going to keep on saying that. He's going to keep, I'm going to show, I'll point it out to you. He's going to keep on saying, I find no fault in him. I find no fault in him. Then why are you whipping him? You're an unjust judge. You're whipping an innocent man. Pilate, you're a hypocrite. Verse 2, And the soldiers plaited a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and put on him a purple robe, and said, Hail, King of the Jews! And they smote him with their hands. They started hitting our Savior. What did Jesus Christ do wrong? He loved too much. He just loved too much. A woman gets caught in adultery, in the very act, they bring him to her. The Bible says, the word of God says, she should be stoned. 
They bring him to Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ says, Hey, any of y'all with sin, y'all, the one without sin, cast the first stone. And they all leave out from the oldest to the youngest. And there's a woman by herself. He says, Hey, where's your accusers? She says, They're not to be found, Lord. And he said, Sin no more. Neither do I accuse you. That's a man that showed too much love, too much grace. And they scourged him. See this crown right here? They put this old crown on his head and they beat him. They tried to beat him to death. That's the world for you. Pilate, that's you. What is truth? The truth is y'all are cruel and y'all are mean and you're hateful to the creator of the universe. Verse 4, Pilate therefore went forth again and said unto them, Behold, I bring him forth to you that ye may know that I find no fault in him. What a hypocrite. What a hypocrite. Then, Jesus came, then came Jesus forth wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, and Pilate said unto them, Behold the man. So what's going on here is a simple truth that Pilate probably don't want to recognize, but it is the truth. He's trying to compromise with the world. He thinks, okay, what I'm going to do, I don't find no fault with Jesus, but I'm going to beat him, and I'm going to whip him, and of course I'll let my soldiers mock him and beat him, and then I'll do is I'll bring him out, and they'll see that he's been beat, he's been whipped, and he's going to be really, really bloody, he'll have this crown of thorns, and they'll see Jesus Christ, behold the man, look at him, and they'll, they'll, they'll compromise with me, and they'll let me just send him free to go, and they'll be happy because I gave him a good whipping. And what Pilate doesn't recognize and realize, you cannot compromise with the world. See, we think as Christians, they just, they just don't want me to be able to worship. <laughs> Guys, y'all are blind if you think that. You say, I, I, they, these people out in the world, they just don't want me to worship Jesus Christ. I, if they just leave me alone, let me go to church, everything will be okay. They're never going to be happy. Until you get verse 6. And when the chief priest, therefore, and officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, Take ye him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. See, the world's never going to be happy until they get rid of Jesus Christ and get rid of me and you. The world's not going to be happy enough with us just going and being ourselves. The world's not going to be happy until we as Christians are destroyed. And I hope y'all get that in y'all's thick heads. That they're out to get us. It's not enough for them to say, Behold the man. We've whipped him. We've took this Christian and we've done what we can to him. We've, 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 got, we've made them lose their job. They can't have a job anymore. Behold them. Behold them. They're, no, that's not enough. Crucify them. You're going to kill them? Kill them. Kill them. Crucify him. Crucify him. You can't compromise with the world because the world's run by the devil. And the devil's out to get us. He's out to kill us. And the first one he's going to kill is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ warned you. He said, don't be afraid. They hated me way before they hated you. I find no fault in him. Verse 7, the Jews answered him, We have a law, and by our law he ought to die, because he made himself the Son of God. They knew exactly what he was. He's saying he's God, manifesting the flesh. Verse 8, when Pilate therefore heard that saying, he was more afraid. <laughs> yeah, I bet he was. He's talking to Jesus Christ. He's never met a man like Jesus Christ. He says, hey, my kingdom's not of this world. You realize what Jesus Christ is saying? 
My kingdom's not of this world. I'm from outer space. I'm from out there. I'm out from the third heaven. I'm not from this world. And he's like, man, this guy's kind of a little bit weird. I think I'll just beat him. I don't find no fault in him. I'll just beat him and see if I can make a compromise with him. And he beats him and everything. And they said, well, the reason we want him to die is because he said he was the son of God. And Pilate says, gulps real big. Uh-oh. He was even more afraid. The, the truth is, Pilate, what is truth? Pilate says, what is truth? The truth is, Pilate, you're scared. You're scared. Because Pilate knows the big what if. What if? What if hell is real? What if there is a God that's going to judge me? I know you say no. I know you say it's not Pilate. I don't believe in God. I don't want to believe in anything. I don't believe. I know you say, I know they say it, but let me let me just stop you right where you're at and just say, what if? He is the Son of God. What if Jesus, Jesus is who said He is? And when you, when you come up to that big what if, man, it's humbling. Because you realize, uh-oh. Well, I, I get to looking in the Bible, and there's these prophecies, and they came true. And I get to looking for these errors in the Bible, and I'm not finding them. I'm getting to look for these problems in the Bible, and I'm not finding them. I'm getting to looking for what Jesus Christ did wrong, and he didn't do anything wrong. And what if, what if it's real? What if, just what if Jesus Christ is the truth? What if Jesus Christ really is the only way to the Father? Pilate's more afraid. Verse 9, And went again into the judgment hall, and saith unto Jesus, uh, Whence art thou? But Jesus gave him no answer. Pilate went in there and said, Hey, where'd you come from? Where'd you, where'd you come from? See, Christ had said, Hey, I come from another world, and my kingdom's not of this world. And then they said, He says he's a son of God. Pilate comes in there and says, Hey, where'd you come from? And don't you know that Pilate was even more scared when Jesus Christ just looked at him? And didn't answer him? Ooh. Wow. Then saith Pilate unto him, Speakest thou not unto me? Knowest thou not that I have power to crucify thee? And have power to release thee? Aren't you scared of me? And Jesus just looks at him. Who's scared, Jesus or Pilate? Pilate. Pilate's got... The authority, he's got the power, he's already physically whipped Jesus Christ, beat Jesus Christ, humiliated Jesus Christ. He's got all the power. Why is he afraid? Because you're standing in front of the truth. <laughs> what is truth is right there looking at you. Inconvenient truth. Jesus answered, verse 11, Thou couldst have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. Oh, man. Therefore, he that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. There's greater sins in there. That's one of them. Verse 12, And from thenceforth Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, saying, If thou let this man go, thou art not Caesar's friend. Whosoever maketh himself a king speaketh against Caesar. So Pilate there in verse 12, he says, you know what? This guy, I'm going to get this guy out of here. <laughs> and see, in another part of Scripture in Matthew, Pilate's own wife came to him and says, don't have anything to do with this man, Jesus. I, I had a dream about him. Don't have anything to do with him. <laughs> so he's already been told by his wife, hey, if you're listening to me, don't have anything to do with him. And then he gets this, this testimony from Jesus Christ. And from that moment, he says, I ought to release him. 
But he finds out another great truth in verse 12. Thou art not Caesar's friend. Truth is, Pilate, you're a friend of the world. You're a friend of the world. You're more afraid of Caesar than the Son of God. You're more afraid of Caesar than the Son of God. There's people, guys, and I know this is hard to believe because hell is so real to me. Hell is so real to me. But there's people that fear ridicule more than they fear hell. They fear the ridicule of their friends, the ridicule of their family, the ridicule of their, of their co-workers. They fear the ridicule of their neighbors more than they fear the flames of hell. And Pilate's one of them. I guess it's easy for me. I've, I've always been a black sheep in my family, you know. I've always done bad things, wrong things, screwed up, messed up, uh, looked down on. I always was the poor one everything. So it's real easy for me to say, Jesus Christ. I don't care if you like it or not. I'm taking him. I'm taking Jesus Christ. But I know there's some people that they lived a good life. They lived a clean life. They, and, and their family's good. And they've, they've been good in their family. And for them to receive Jesus Christ and to say, I think Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. For them to say that would mean ridicule. And they might even lose their status in their family, lose their status at job, whatever it might be. And I feel sorry for you, but you're going to have to make a decision. Because the truth's the truth. Amen? I mean, I can't help it. <laughs> the truth's the truth. Jesus is the only way. You either take him or don't. The truth's the truth. Verse 13, when Pilate therefore heard that saying about Caesar, he brought Jesus forth and sat down in the judgment seat in a place that is called the pavement, but in the Hebrew... Gabatha. And it was, in the it was the preparation of the Passover in about the sixth hour. And he saith unto the Jews, Behold your king. But they cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto him, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. Wow. Religious hypocrites. Beware of religious people. The Bible says they can't have no king. They can't have any king but a Jew. That's what the Bible says. And they followed the Bible as long as it was convenient with them. And as soon as the Bible wasn't convenient with them, we have no king but Caesar. That's religious people for you. That's not Bible believers. Be a Bible believer. Amen? Verse 16, Then delivered, him, deli then delivered he him therefore unto them to be crucified. And they took Jesus and led him away. The truth is, Pilate, Finally, and this is the seventh one I've given you. Truth is, you're a murderer. You murdered an innocent man. Pilate could have let him go. He said, he, he, he himself admitted, I can release you. I have power over you to do what I want to do to you. And he murdered him. Pilate was a murderer and a liar and a hypocrite and a lot of things. And then he wants to look at Jesus Christ and say, what is truth? Pilate, you just showed what truth is. But here's another truth I want to close with. Two more truths. There's only one man that really understood what was going on here. His name was Barabbas. His name was Barabbas. Because Barabbas, remember, Barabbas was there. He was a murderer. He's a robber, and here he comes, and here's this man, Jesus Christ, innocent, the Son of God, done all these wonderful works, King of the Jews, and here comes a murder and a robber, and he looks up at him, and he's like, man, I'm done for. <laughs> I thought I was going to get released, but how can I stand with a man like that? Look at him. He's, he, look at him. He looks at me, and I feel convicted. This man's so holy and so righteous. I'm a murder and a robber. They're not going to let me go. 
I had a chance. Now I'm for sure, I'm for sure crucified. There's no way they're going to let me go. And you know what Barabbas must have thought whenever Pilate turned to Barabbas and said, okay, get out of here. You can go. Instead of the Holy One of God, instead of the righteous one, instead of this holy man, Jesus Christ, I can go? Go. And don't you know that Barabbas, when he stepped in off those steps and he looked back up behind his shoulder and he seen Jesus Christ standing there, bloody, blood dripping down, that crown of thorns on his head, down with a ro purple robe, and he looked back there and he said, that man just took my place. That man just took my place. And every Christian in here understands what that means. Jesus Christ took our place on the cross. Barabbas understood it. As he went down a murderer and a robber, and Barabbas was set free. And when the Son, Jesus Christ, sets you free, you shall be free indeed. Amen. Here's the saddest truth of this whole story. And I know I've been picking on Pilate, but Pilate's just like any one of us. You know, you live in the world and you, you, you just go by what the world tells you to do. But here's the great truth that's really sad. What we know about the crucifixion, and we know it, I just said it. When Christ went and died on the cross, He was dying for my sins and your sins. He was crucified for me and you. And if you was to transport me and put me at that time, and see Pilate up there, and see Christ next to Pilate, and hear all these Jews chanting, yelling, crucify him, crucify him, away with him, crucify him. I would have to sit in that crowd, and I would have to think, I need that precious blood of Jesus Christ, or I can't go to heaven. Amen. And I would have to bow my head in shame, and say, Crucify him. Crucify him. Because if you don't crucify him, I'm doomed and damned to a devil's hell. Crucify him. Because that's my only way. Crucify him. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you, Father, for the crucifixion. I thank you, Father, for your love that you're willing to die for a sinner like me. Lord, I've been no good. I'm sorry. I'm a wicked sinner, Lord God, but you still showed me love on the cross. I don't understand it. I will never understand it, Lord, but I do thank you for my salvation, Lord Jesus, and I thank you for your freedom you've given me in your, your Son and in the Holy Spirit. And Father, I pray, Lord, if there's somebody who needs the sound of my voice that they don't know about this freedom, Lord. They don't know if they're going to go to heaven. They don't, they don't know what's going to happen when they take their last breath. Lord, I pray, Father, that they would get right with you, Lord God, and they would realize they need to receive you as their Lord and Savior before it's too late. And to recognize that you died for their sins on the cross and that you were buried and you came forth on the third day. Lord, we, are, we realize we're sinners, Lord. We realize we're no better than Pilate, Lord. And the only difference was that you came through our life, Lord, and we asked you and believed on you, and you set us free. And we thank you for that. And I pray, Fathers, we give this invitation, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will move, Lord God, on these people. And you would work, Lord, what you work you want to do. And I'm praying all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's have an invitation, brother. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com.
On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3, verse 16, and most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, Thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13 he sums it up. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care. Upon him